On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll discuss the Pacers' great start to the season and what's working, then talk to Indy's own Michael Grady. A new job for him this year, no longer in Brooklyn. He's the television voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Yeah, I had to change up the intro a little bit for my guy Grady joining the show here today. So good to catch up with him. As the Timberwolves made their flight to Indianapolis, they'll face the Pacers Wednesday evening, making their only trip here to Indy. And I thought it was so cool, as you'll hear me get into with him, his first game with the Brooklyn Nets on their broadcast team in 2017 in Indy. And to have a game just totally by random, Thanksgiving week, and in the year where his mother unfortunately passed away after dealing with cancer the past five years. He can be at home for Thanksgiving. Man, that is special. And so I'm happy for him, happy for his success, but make no doubt about it. He earned every minute with his various jobs, with his relationships, with the way in which he treated people, and also just his raw talent. He was a guy that knew exactly what he wanted to do from a very young age. In high school, he knew he wanted to get into broadcasting. I was middle school. We followed our passions, and that's exactly what has worked for Grady. So good for him, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy catching up with him. Some of you know him maybe as a morning show host over on 1070 The Fan for a while with Big Joe. Some of you might know him as an MC, probably not. More of you know him as the PA announcer. He also had a stint at Channel 6, but he was just so good in particular with this indie community and also interacting with so many on Twitter. And even when he moved to Brooklyn, he was following Colts games. He was covering Pacer games or following them as much as he could, interacting and staying uh, abreast of everything that was going on. Now, that's much more difficult now that it's been four and five years. But uh, congrats to Grady, and uh, you'll want to stick around to hear from him. Before that conversation, though, I want to catch you up and touch on what has gone so well for the Pacers right now. Nobody, not even the Pacers, expected for this, expected for this terrific start, for them to be as successful as they have been. I mean, 9 of 11, they've won five in a row. All this coming with so many changes after losing four of their first five games, they've really turned it around. Now, they've also had a lighter schedule. Just look at their opponents. Look at their favorable uh, schedule in terms of days between games. They've had like a three-day break several times. A home-friendlier schedule right now, but that is changing and beginning on Wednesday with a tougher opponent in the Timberwolves and Friday Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets, even though they haven't figured it out talking about the Nets, they do have so much raw talent that can get you wins any single night. But it's unbelievable. Pacers right now fourth, fourth, that's single digits in the Eastern Conference. Playing well, not excellent, not great, but good enough. Getting it done. There's so many different things that are contributing to this. Number one, I think, is Tyrese Halliburton. 20 and 11. That's a tremendous boost from what he had been producing. He leads the league in assists. 
He's the Eastern Conference Player of the Week for his performance last week, leading the Pacers to a 3-0 record. And it's more than just numbers, too, though. It's his love for the game. It's his joy for the game. It's how you can see visually and in how he plays that he loves the game. It's having more like-minded guys, quite frankly, like him, like Buddy, like Ben Matherin. Guys that just love the game have to be kicked out of the gym. They have a bad game. They're probably in the gym. And if there's another game tomorrow, you can look for them to turn it around. I think that's a common denominator of the current personnel, much of them, and what the front office continues to be seeking as well. That was something Kevin Pritchard talked to me about at the draft lottery, uh, the, the characteristics that they are looking for. Winners, guys that love the game. Not just are good at the game, but love the game. And that's certainly many of them. But the other thing that stands out as well is how Halliburton takes care of his teammates, how he looks for them first, how he is a true pass-first point guard and a point guard they have needed for decades. So that trade, and really all the trades over the last year, have worked out in the Pacers' favor. So that's a lot of credit to the entire front office for the work and, and job they were able to get done with facilitating all of those trades and making things work. I thought they made the right call as well this past offseason in trading away those players who you just couldn't count on, who just, in terms of health, didn't have it. And by the way, health is a big reason, too, the Pacers have been able to have success. They, they haven't had perfect health. Daniel Tice still hasn't participated. In fact, he's had his knee scoped a couple weeks ago, left the state to do that. Very minor surgery. He returned the next day. But they've been without him. Chris Duarte currently out with a left ankle injury. Andrew Nimhard, minor knee bruise. Isaiah Jackson, a little left ankle injury. But none of the guys are missing significant time. All of the guys have been in there. And the only thing you haven't had is a you know consistent starting lineup because you've had, had Neesmith and you had Duarte lately. How about Andrew Nimhart, by the way? Starting like five games as a rookie, even before Benedict Matherin. And I think he's played very well. Very much he reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon. I've probably said this before. I think I said it during the draft because talking to him at the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago and then again in Indy when he came to the St. Vincent Center and worked out for the team, I was just so impressed with how he carried himself on the court and more so than even off the floor, how he talked about himself, how he's kind of quiet but confident and it's that quiet confidence that has allowed him to be successful and be in the starting lineup and take everything that's been thrown at him here in the first month of the season. We are just one month into this, so I do want to note that there's a long way to go. However, considering all that's gone on, players in and out, the player movement, coaching staff remain the same. But after that poor start, losing 4 of 5, Pacers have found a gear right now, winning 9 of 11, Again, a 10-6 and six record. A couple other things that have been working well for them is the way in which they've passed the ball. Really impressive. Really good. Team is second in assist. Can you believe that? You know Halliburton's good for about 11, but the other night, T.J. McConnell with 10. Nemhart's producing the assists, and so are several other guys. I think Halliburton, though, he's passing his guys open, and if a guy's having a bad night or a little slow start, he's going to get him involved. He realizes... If his other guys, the teammates, don't have it going, they're probably not going to be successful. It cannot just be him. Team has also had good bench production, and it's typically been a different guy every night. It was TJ McConnell this past night, and he was terrific. That was a lot of fun to watch. He was 0 for 4 
this season shooting threes and ended up making his first three attempts. That was impressive from him, and uh, he had some uh, jokes afterward. How about his one-handed hook shot over Bull Bull, though, as well? Uh, that was McConnell. We, you know about Benedict Matherin and how he's exceeded all expectations. You can easily say that uh, just from what he's been able to produce, how he's a team-first guy, how he hadn't complained about coming off the bench, which I'm still a proponent of. I still prefer that. Aaron Neesmith, really good a couple nights ago in particular. Now he's back in the starting lineup because Nimhard is out. So he's kind of a a starter when available. Previously was not. Now he's back in the fold after he dealt with a plantar fascia in both foots. And it, the odd thing with him was he, he said he had never had that injury before, then had one in training camp and had it on the other foot like a week later. But he seems to be in a good spot. O'Shea Brissett. Thank you. He's finally playing. That was the one thing I didn't understand with Rick. Can we get O'Shea Brissett some playing time, especially when they struggled early on in the season? You know what you're getting from him. He's consistent. He does the little things. He's going to make the right cuts. He's going to dive on the floor. He doesn't care about points, but he can produce. And he has the last several games in that department. Bench production, really good. The other thing, how about the consistency for Miles Turner? I think he's embraced his role. And he's produced consistently. I think those are the two things for him. He's averaging you know, 10-plus rebounds over the last couple of weeks. When have we seen that? Consistently. We haven't. Sometimes it's six, seven rebounds. And realistically, I think you kind of hope he's something like a 15-8 and eight guy. Maybe an 18-8 and eight guy. He's not, I don't think, a 25-12 and 12 guy by any means. He, he's focused on the defense. He'll take what the offense gives him. And can he rebound the ball? And so all of those things have worked in his favor, and he's working at it. I think he's going at it with a very professional approach. There's a lot on the line. First, personally, he's in a contract year. He may want to go elsewhere. He may want to go to a winning situation, more of a winning situation with championship aspirations. He obviously wants to get paid. So many different things for him to uh, have to perform this season and also for him to consider once the time comes. And the Pacers also have to consider their situation if they aren't sure with a great certainty if he'll be back, I think you have to move him by the trade deadline or risk losing him for nothing come free agency because he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So I view his situation similar to Victor Oladipo. Miles coming off an injury, entering a contract year. Let's see what he can prove, produce, and then go from there. And if you don't get any kind of firm commitment or you know, if you mention a, a contract number and it really doesn't pique his interest – there's your answer, and that's fine. You just need an answer one way or the other, the way it is trending. Looked up some stats because I think that can somewhat prove and, and, and be indicative of the way in which this Pacers team is playing. And also, I think you might be surprised by some of their rankings in certain departments. Second in assists behind Golden State. They got a 69% assist percentage, which is number one in the league. Obviously, Halliburton's leading the charge there. By the way, I think it's really cool how... His parents, some family, and his girlfriend all sitting courtside in those four courtside seats on the baseline every single game. I think that's that's awesome for him. And, uh, you know, the Pacers have embraced him. The city has embraced him. And the city is becoming his, right? The team is his. And the fact that his family feels comfortable enough to be here and want to support him through all this, I think that is awesome. Team second in blocks, that's a huge credit, obviously, Two miles. Turner, they're fifth in points. Almost 117 
per game. Third and threes made and attempted over 40 per game. You remember a few years ago? Let's go back to Nate McMillan's final season. So we're talking, what, four years ago? They they were last in the league. 28 attempts per game. I'll never forget that number. That's just stuck in my brain. I didn't even have to look that one up. Now they're averaging 40 per game in terms of attempts. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. They often hit them in great numbers together. The other night, they missed 13 of their first 14. It was T.J. McConnell who broke the slump. Then Buddy Heald made one after halftime. Buddy Heald played so poorly he felt in that first half that he came back out onto the court so quickly after halftime that the puppy dog race, it really wasn't a race, but that was still going on, and Buddy wanted to get shots off. And Pacers also are seventh in offensive rating, notably Sacramento number one. So it's not very often, I think, that you see a trade working out. And to be fair, taking my own advice, let's give it more time. But the initial indications here, less than a season in, about 10 months in, most of that being the summer, though, is that indie sack trade worked out well for both of them. Sabonis to Sacramento, Halliburton to Indy, and becoming the face of the team. And with him, the Pacers are amazingly fourth in the Eastern Conference right now and riding a big wave as they close out this four-game homestand. They've been home for eight of ten games leading in to a game on Sunday in L.A., and that becomes a real test for the Pacers as well as they're going to go on the road for their longest stretch than I can remember, certainly in my time covering this team. Seven games, 12 days. We won't see them back here till December 9th after this week, so they'll be gone a couple of weeks and be challenged. You could make a good case that they don't win a game on that trip. Now, I think they do probably take home at least a couple. It wouldn't surprise me, say, if they didn't win two games and that's it over that seven-game stretch. Utah, Portland, the two biggest surprises in the league. Sacramento's obviously playing well. The Lakers have kind of got it together. The Clippers never can figure them out, like the Nets, like the 76ers. Golden State, that's a home game for the Warriors where they're playing much better than road. And then Minnesota, Seems like they've kind of started to figure things out here. They've won four in a row as they arrive here to Indianapolis for Wednesday's game. Now, up next, you'll hear from Michael Grady. I think you all are probably very familiar with him, and you were probably saying, hey, let's get on with it. We want to hear from him. So here you go. Here's my conversation with MG. Enjoy it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Michael Grady joins the show now of Bally Sports North. You're all familiar with him, of course, from his time in Indianapolis where he did 
anything and everything. And MG, I think, first of all, how about the schedule God's looking out for you? I think back to the, your first game with Yes Network broadcasting Nets games in 2017. It was here in Indy. And now here at Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, man, as you make your way into Indy. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, Scott. Man, I appreciate you. Yeah, somebody's uh, looking out for me for sure. You mentioned the Yes Network game. Uh, my first NFL game happened to be a close game. Uh, <laughs> I've been that. really fortunate with some of these uh, breaks for sure and, and great opportunity to see family and friends for sure. So you're now the play-by-play voice television-wise for the Minnesota Timberwolves, a much different scenery than you were in Brooklyn the past five years with Yes Network, but you were the sideline reporter. Now you would fill in from time to time on play-by-play, but take me through, I guess, this first month. It's been a month on the job as the guy in Minnesota. Uh, what has it been like for you and, uh, and as you're trying to probably at the same time become acclimated with this new city and new fan base? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a whirlwind. You know, on a, on a somber note, I lost my mom on August 8th, and then a few days later, is when I made the decision to go to Minnesota. Um, it wasn't an easy one. Um, I was obviously a rough stage, roughest stage, you know, of my life. Uh, my mom is the one that got me into sports, made me a sports fan, encouraged me in broadcasting. Um, you know, she was my number one fan, and everything that I've done, you know, was was to make her her proud. And so, um, every phase of my life, whether I was working at Taco Bell <laughs> or whether I was you know, doing sports cast for Indiana Sports Talk or, or working with RTD6 to be in a PA announcer and of course the opportunity in New York, she was she was all over it. So it's been a it's been a transition to go through this, um, you know, without her. But the support of, you know, my wife and, and the rest of my family has been amazing. And it wasn't easy to leave Brooklyn, you know. It wasn't easy to leave Indiana for starters. But, you know, in Brooklyn headed into that situation, I didn't know if I was gonna be embraced. I always felt in my heart that I had a connection you know, to New York and um, wanted to explore that. And the way that community embraced me is something that I will, you know, cherish um, forever. So uh, I'll always look at Brooklyn, um, you know, like a second home. Um, you know, India's home, Naptown grew up, everything <laughs> east side Indianapolis. Yeah. But Brooklyn really is a, is a second home. And I really love the situation there to learn, to grow, to be around high Eagle. Um, you know, Mike Breen with the Knicks, Ryan Rucco was our, was our backup with Yes Network. And to really learn and, and study those guys um, and, and understand what it, what it meant to be a play-by-play guy and the amount of preparation that goes into it. You know, it's something that I've wanted to do since I was a junior in Warren Central High School. And so, you know, I could continue on if I was comfortable being a sideline reporter. I was in a sweet situation and, um, you know, I could have continued to do that. But if I wanted to be a number number one guy, these opportunities don't you know come every day. There's only 30 of these jobs, and I feel blessed and fortunate to uh, to even have the opportunity to interview. The interest was even there, uh, but but Minnesota came really strong. A Rod came really strong, and um, <laughs> the more I talked about it with with family, the more I meditated on it and talked about it with some of my colleagues. Um, there, there's no way to there's no way, way to replicate play by play reps. And I was doing maybe 12, 12 games or so for the Nets. Uh, I was doing a, a handful of NBA TV games with Turner. Um, but so far this season, I'm, I'm, I'm up to about 16 games so far with the Timberwolves. And, and you can't replace the reps. And so I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm having an amazing time. It's been, a, it's been going back to what I said at the start. It's been a whirlwind. And probably with 16 games, are you now starting to – 
feel like you have a grasp on everything, on getting to know your analysts, what your producer is like, and vice versa, because they have to get to know you as well. Yeah, I think a little, you know, peek behind the curtain. It's a, it's a, it's a constant dance, you know. And I've gotten, I've been able to get a feel for that the last few years with Guest Network, um, but with working with an all new crew, it's definitely a different feel. You know, Sarah Kustak was my partner um, in uh, in Brooklyn, and she's like, you know, she's like my sister. So the rapport there was great. I've worked with Frank, the great, the great producer for Yes Network, for a long time. The stats people. You know, you have a little groove there, but here with Minnesota, you're getting used to, you know, Jim Peterson is one of the best telecommentators, you know, in the NBA. Our producer, Craig Rothberg with uh, Bally Sports North and navigating the dance with him, my stats guy. So there's all sort of information that's that's constantly being, you know, around and we're all trying to tell a story. So I have something in my mind. Jim Pete has something in his mind. The producer is passing something along to us. You know, my stat guy. Uh, Mikey is passing along the, you know, amazing stat, and you're just doing this dance, and it's a, it's an exhilarating rush on a, on a day in and day out basis. And I think the fascinating thing, just to remind people, is what kind of put a bug in an agent's ear was in an Uber ride, if I remember correctly, during the NFL Combine. So you just never know how things might break your way. And to your point earlier about leaving Indy and then now leaving Brooklyn, I, I think it's probably a, a situation, and it is a situation, where you have maximized what you could do. And in order to do more, in order to follow your passion and do what you want, you had to go elsewhere. It's a tough decision those in our, our industry have to make. Yeah, you know, and it's it's tough. You know, when you're young in this industry, sometimes they tell you if you want to you know, accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, you know, usually you'll have to move. And that's not easy to hear. And it's not easy for everybody. You know, um, some people are, are very comfortable staying in one spot. And I was very happy doing the things that I was doing. Um, but I was starting to get a little bit, a little bit worn down at the third year of doing radio, television, and then doing PA, you know, for the Pacers. And I, I, I just felt like I owed it to myself. I owed it to my family to see how far I could push it. And I had it into my, in my heart to explore. So it wasn't a, you know, deuces, I'm leaving y'all, forget y'all. No, I, I feel like I'm repping Indianapolis, you know, no matter where I go. I'm repping Indianapolis in New York. I'm repping Indianapolis in, in uh, Minneapolis now. And um, I just want to, you know, make everybody proud. And, and, and if I inspire someone who wants to accomplish their dreams, even if it has nothing to do with sports broadcasting, that means a lot. Uh, to me. So um, everybody's story is different. And um, and uh, whether someone is, you know, working at ESPN or working on their local news or whatever it may be, I think the main thing that I've learned is to be happy. And um, if you're happy, then um, then uh, then, you, then 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 you've accomplished a level of success that not a lot of people will get to. And you have good reasons for to be happy professionally. Obviously, what we just discussed, you met your wife, Erica, while they're in Brooklyn, so that's another reason to, that place holds a special place in your heart. I'm curious, as one of the biggest Iron Eagle fans out there probably, what's maybe something you picked up from him? I'm very curious in what his professionalism, his cadence, what did you learn from Ian? Uh, what I learned from Ian is the work ethic. Um, you know, um, there are things about him as a broadcaster that are unique and nobody can duplicate you know, his, his father was a stand-up comedian. His father traveled a lot. You know, he wanted to emulate his father. He loved his, he loved, um, you know, he had a great admiration for his father. And I don't think it's a surprise that when you talk about one of the humorous, timely, you know, guys on the play-by-play circuit, there's nobody touching 
Iron Eagle. And that's just one facet of what makes him a unique broadcaster. He meets the moment every time. And I think that's a big thing for play-by-play. You never know when the moment is going to happen, but you have to be prepared for it. And he always meets the moment. Um, you add the humor in, um, you add the professionalism, his level of preparation. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Um, there are a number of great play-by-play guys that I admire, um, but the work that Iron Eagle does to do an NFL game on a Sunday, a Nets game on a Monday, a TNT game on a Tuesday, another Nets game on a Wednesday, and to have the same enthusiasm and attention to detail on Wednesday that he had on Sunday is unbelievable. So just to see his work ethic, attention to detail, you know, you see a lot of guys in the industry that may be, may be doing the same thing for 10, 15 years, and they get comfortable. They take their foot off the gas. Their level of preparation isn't the same. Their attention to detail isn't the same. And um, they're kind of coasting by. They're making good money, and they're, they're somewhat coasting. Um, I'm, I've never seen that with Ian. He's 25 years plus with the Nets. He, he, he's now the, the, the final four play-by-play voice after this season. And his passion for broadcasting, announcing, and putting a smile on people's faces is really unmatched. I love it, the fact that, to bring it back local, you covered the Pacers, you served as PA announcer. Most might even forget you were a game MC even before that to get yourself in the door, I think, uh, a little bit before that with a number of different partners even. When you think about the Pacers, you you arrive at the Fieldhouse tomorrow. What comes to mind? Uh, I'll be honest. First first thing is um, uh, Slick and Nancy. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind. And uh, just my adoration growing up and Slick's enthusiasm for the game. You know, I've tried to incorporate some booms into the broadcast now. I'll never say boom, baby, but I've been thinking about it for a long time. And when I get the opportunity and there's a big three-pointer or whatnot, I know brain has bang and some people will say, ah, you trying to do the variation of bang? No, it it all goes back to Slick. And so I'm going to continue to incorporate it on on, um, big shots. He was such a big part of my childhood. And and rest his soul. He meant he meant uh, so much to me. And to see to to check in on Facebook broadcast here or there and see Nancy with her with her uh, prime <laughs> seat uh, up yep. front, it really warms my heart because they're um, they were I mean they're everything to the franchise and they're the reason that the franchise is still going. So growing up, you know, Mark Boyle, Slick Leonard, those guys meant the world to me. Watching them, I mean, we we would turn the television down and turn the radio up. And um, and so many of those amazing moments with Reggie Miller and and uh, and those guys, fond, fond, fond memories. But it's it's the fan base and the passion of the fan base really touches touches my heart. And I can't wait to see so many familiar faces from the ushers, from all the staff in the building. It's going to be um, emotional because you know for two years I haven't been able to get back to the field house, right. so I haven't seen the. The updates, the way it's been remodeled. I haven't been able to see any of that stuff. Um, so I'm excited about seeing all of that um, because it's been a long time due to the pandemic that I've been able to, you know, enjoy a game at the friendly confines and see all those familiar faces. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I know I'm probably leaving some names out, but really when I think about the field house and, and being there, I, I just slick and Nancy really come to mind first. That's such a fantastic answer, and it's so genuine, and I absolutely love it. And I'm sure 
she'll love to see you tomorrow and give you a great big hug because she is at you know yeah. every single game. And I would suggest getting to the game maybe even early to walk around and see the place because it is so very different, MG. I mean, it it, oh. it feels a little different, looks a little different, still has the same vibe, but, I mean, you're going to uh -huh. look out just north of it, and there's an outdoor you know, basketball court going up, and there's so much that is being developed around here. Wow, wow. No, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Basketball, I can, you know, continue to tell people basketball really is different you know, in Indiana and the love and appreciation for the game. And that's what makes me excited about checking out this game Wednesday night. Um, because, you know, we've been waiting a long time to see this Pacers team get back on track. We've been waiting a long time to see them have a, a squad that has the, you know, commitment to excellence and fights uh, in such a way that the fan base can get can be truly proud of, you know, whether it's been injuries and just not the right pieces or coaching or whatever it may be, they just haven't had it. And right now they have that that spirit that I think the fan base can truly be proud of. And I'm excited about seeing it in person. You know, the Timberwolves are playing well, the Pacers are playing well. So it's kind of an unexpected kind of big primetime Wednesday night matchup that I think a lot of a lot of folks will be eager to see. You've arrived at the airport, so I do want to wrap up on that note. Just the joy in which this Pacers team is playing. They've won 9 of 11. Yeah. Certainly it's been a lighter schedule, but they've taken advantage of it. Um, and the days off and things like that. But nobody, nobody expected them to right now be fourth in the East, to be winning 9 of 11, and to playing with the joy in which we've seen, MG. I think you're going to really appreciate it from your courtside seat on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. And the way that uh, Tyrese Halliburton is playing, you know, I was, um, you know, talking to Ben uh, Matherin on draft night in Brooklyn. You know, I was really impressed. And the way that he spoke and and um, and uh, the, his confidence and his, uh, I, I love using the word audacity, you know, because he brought up Lebr he brought up LeBron James. You know, he really spoke confidently about his ability and, and the mark that he feels he's going to make on this league. And um, I think he's exceeded expectations, you know. So when I when I heard him talking that way, I'm thinking, OK, this guy is really confident in this game. And if he has the work ethic to match, uh, this guy's going to be a problem. Um, and he's been one so far. So, you know, I know there's an ebb and flow of the NBA season and there's going to be peaks and valleys. Inevitably, you may be facing teams at the right time right now and then. Later on, he may be facing teams at the wrong time. Um, early this season, the Timberwolves are facing teams at the wrong time. And then now, all of a sudden, during this four-game winning streak, you know, Cleveland was shorthanded with no Donovan Mitchell. Orlando didn't have anybody. Um, Philadelphia was down several bodies. And then, um, and then just in our, you know, the last game, the Miami Heat were playing without Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and a bunch of other guys. And so it's just the luck of the draw. That's what happens in an NBA season. But to your point earlier, you have to understand the assignment. If you're playing an inferior opponent, you have to take care of business. And credit is due for uh, for doing just that. So, um, so both of these teams are coming in with a lot of confidence, and I'm excited to see uh, how this ball game unfolds. MG, appreciate the time. We all look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I know you built such a connection, still have one with the fan base. I do miss the indie chant that you, you uh, initiated and got yeah. rolling, man. That's one of the first things I think about with you and yeah. your control as the voice of the arena there. Yeah, probably one of my first visits back and I, I when I heard the um Yep. You know, I got a little got a little I gotta admit I got a little emotional here in the crowd doing that on one of my first visits back with the Nets. Um you never know how certain things are gonna be received when you try it. 
with the fan base, but the way they embraced that, um, the way we continued on Red Porters to, uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's a special relationship that I think will last forever. Fantastic. Have a safe flight, and uh, we look forward to seeing you, MG. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate you, man. And thanks for listening to this conversation. I hope you and yours have a safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you again soon.